friends. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome on this beautiful Sunday morning. It is the first Sunday, the first day of October. Lord have mercy. Bring us the pumpkin spice communion wafers. Am I wrong or am I wrong? Anyway, it's so awesome to have you all here today. Uh, we're starting a, a new series, The Abundant Life, today, and so we're excited to hear all that uh, Pastor Scott and Pastor Claire have for us uh, with this new series. Uh, it's good to be thinking about living in abundance, not thinking about it as, as just that you get to go grab and claim anything you want, but that God has just an abundance for us, abundance in love, abundance of peace, and abundance in the things that we need. And so all of it together uh, gives us the abundant life and so we're grateful for that so um uh i'm gonna i'm not sure which camera i'm looking at so i'm gonna look at all of them. hello people online if you can if, depending on which angle you're looking at my face is the correct campbell or uh, camera or campbell campbell soup um but if you're online today uh we're just so happy that you are we're so happy that you're uh here to sing with us and pray with us and hear scriptures and uh, an awesome message from our lead pastors and it's just uh, a joy of ours that you've decided to spend a little bit of your morning with us uh as always we're going to uh, receive communion today uh so if you haven't already done so uh make sure to get Get some bread, some crackers, and some juice, and we'll receive that together. Uh, and you can send your prayer requests if you have any on our Facebook page. Uh, and uh, you can um, look for any information on Facebook or at ccmonline.org. So, hello, everybody. Amen. Amen. God is good. So our call to worship this morning is from Psalms 86. Go ahead and read with me if you want. There's no one quite like you, O Lord and nothing to compare with your works. All the nations you made are on their way, ready to give honor to you, O Lord, ready to put your beauty on display, parading your greatness and the great things that you do. God, you're the one. There is no one but you. Amen? Amen. So some of you are old like me, and when you sing that song, you have a whole history to talk about, right? Yep. And so just go ahead and greet some people and say, hey, hope your history is getting sweeter. Hope your future's getting brighter. <laughs> we got stories. Look at you wearing shoes. She is, she is. Those feet are, those feet are ready for dancing. <laughs> Woo! So, let's talk about abundance today, all right? Amen. Let's talk about abundance and what abundance might be on this day for you. You know, we, we have had an abundantly full week. We went uh, to Canada, to the Muskoka region, to lead a retreat for the Salvation Army officers and chaplains of Ontario. And I have to tell you, these are some of my favorite people. They work in the grittiest places of social justice all over the world. They are not afraid to walk into the hardest places. And so Scott and I have no greater pleasure than to help their souls find rest because they are doing the work. And so I, I felt so abundant all week long, like, thank you, God. Thank you, God, that we get to do this with our lives. 
And then Scott and I, we had a really big invitation to give something away that was really, really scary to do. And um, there's this old joke about the the guy who stands up and says, I put my last dollar in the in the offering and and God made me a millionaire. And everybody's like, woo! And, and then somebody says, hey, I'd like to see you do that again. You know what I'm talking about. Like, I, so anyway, so Scott and I were invited to do a little something that didn't feel like we could actually do it. And, and yet we kept praying and God kept saying, I want you to partner with me to do this. So anyway, so we did a thing. And then within, I don't know, let's see, that was Friday night. We called a couple of friends and asked them to hear our story and hold our story. And then a few days later, God opened up a way to take care of what we thought we would be missing when we gave that away, Charles and Jill. You. So you just kind of go, okay, whatever, God, you're like in charge of the universe and we know nothing about such things that you know that we could not even imagine, ask for, or think. Okay, so that's really cool. And then we, um, we were coming home, and we got to be with a young man who used to live with us right after his father died, and uh, our beloved Eric. And we got to have a dinner with him, and, and we were thinking about the abundance of having Eric live with us for that year, and that it came after a really sad thing that we would not call abundance. You guys know what I'm talking about? Like when abundance shows up and that just, we were driving home. We we're like, we're so glad we, we got to hang out with Eric tonight and remember the goodness of God after deep trouble. And then we got home and friends, our beloved Trish is in hospice care now. And we got the call, and we were invited to come there yesterday to pray with her and be with her. She asked us to to come. And I just want to say, friends, I feel so grateful to live in the abundance of God, that God is with us in every moment of life. Jesus said, I came to give you, bring you life and life more abundantly. And I remember when Scott and I were just like really green pastors in our youth, and we met Pastor Tommy Barnett. And Tommy Barnett spoke a word over us, and he just said, you will have abundant joy and abundant sorrow. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, that's not typically the word you want to get. But now... At this time in my life, I get it that God is present wherever you are on this day. And so we are going to hold up all of our beloved people. We're going to hold them up in God's abundant presence, knowing that this abundant God does what God can do that no human can do on any given day. You meet us and you provide the miraculous of provision and healing that we can't imagine. And you also provide comfort and strength and wisdom and depth in places that we could never understand what you were doing. 
So I want you to review your week for a moment. Just go through from last Sunday to this Sunday. And allow yourself to be with the days of that week. And notice the tracing of God's finger in your life where God showed up. through Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and allow God to show you where the presence of God, the presence of love, the presence of hope, the presence of dignity or gratitude, the abundance of faith, the abundance of vision or consolation and Jesus we know that for the joy set before you for the abundance set before you you endured the cross despising the shame knowing therefore there was eternity laid up for you Would you give each of us eyes of eternity as we contemplate the bread and the wine, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our God?
So I back up just a few days to last Friday and remember Sam and Devin Ward's wedding and the grace of two people who chose scripture and covenant and spoke over one another and received the gift that God was giving. And I just want to say, God, would you bring to mind every celebration and every difficulty as we take this communion in silence Nobody speaking a word over us, just the words from this song. We pray for space to hear from you. Amen. Provide peace for those who can only see the negative. May we have the grace to receive all God has for us. Let us receive with gratitude, humility, and love. Let this be a season of witnessing the miracle working and the power of God. Continued prayers for a 14-year-old's aggressive bone cancer. prayers of peace for Trisha's family. Lord, help my co-worker with what she is going through with the loss of her loved ones. God, I pray for my mental health over the past few months as my mental health is worsening. Amen. I pray for those who are hurting. I pray that everyone is healed. So Lord, I lift up all these prayers myself and in front of my congregation, in front of you today, and just ask for positive, dear Lord, and happiness and strength and for to let us know that we're not alone and that we are heard even in the darkest time that we feel that we have no voice at all. I pray that everybody here knows that they're heard. Every prayer that's been heard is read and heard in your name. In the power of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, can we pray together? Let's pray together a blessing over the children and the teachers as they're about to go upstairs. And let's pray for our offering. And together as a community, we pray all these things together. God, we thank you uh, for the abundant life that you've given us, for the, for the prayers that we've prayed, for the ways that Pastor Claire has already explained a piece of what an abundant life can look like, and for the ways that we'll continue to go through this series. God, we pray that we would be able to live in, in uh, just amazing new view of abundance oh God and even as we give into this offering today God we pray that you would increase it and increase our
our ability to give and to serve and to show mercy throughout this region and throughout the world. And God, we also pray for our kids as they're about to go upstairs to experience your love and your goodness and your mercy and to experience the peace of being with adults that care about them and have decided to spend this hour with them. So God, we pray blessing on them, protect them, watch over them, and God, be with them even as they go up the stairs. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we all pray. We said, amen. You're welcome to bring your offering to the front or give online and parents and kids. You're released to take your kids upstairs to class. A firm foundation in the abundance of God. Amen, amen, amen. Well, your professional Next Steps newsers aren't here, which means you have me. Hello, everybody. I'm still up here. Well, we, um, it says great together up there, but we are in our new series, of, as we have said, and so we're excited that you're here with us. Play Scrabble in the back. That is like an amazing surprise and, uh, and wonderful. As a non-game player, I'm saying that is an amazing surprise, but we're going to have fun with it. Well, listen, wonderful things are coming up. Uh, as always, welcome. If you needed to know any information, you go to ccmonline.org or just take a picture of that QR code right there and you can find all that you need to know and come see us if this is your first time at the Next Steps kiosk, which is to your right in the far back at the end of service. Next, we this is next weekend already, is the All Church Tailgate. And uh, for more information, you go to ccmonline.org slash events. Bring your lunch, bring your drinks, be ready to cheer on uh, a particular Honolulu blue and silver, and, um, and be ready to have a good time together. Also coming up, uh, we're going to be celebrating baptism and uh, publicly celebrate your life with Christ on October 15th. If you would like to be, or if you have a family member or a friend that would like to be, sign up uh, either on the page on Next Steps or go, again, to ccmonline.org. Next, oh, it's the bomb, bonfire and pumpkin party. Just for me, Saturday, October 28th from 6 to 8 p.m. at the Crossroads Church Courtyard Bonfire Pits. Behind the cafe, bonfire s'mores, pumpkin painting, food and games. Friends are welcome. And this is for middle and high schoolers. So check it out. Look at those three wonderful faces. Who wouldn't want to hang out with them? So come on and join us for that. And thank you for joining us. (laughs) Well done, Don. Yeah, is there going to be a Honolulu Blue Kool-Aid at that uh, event? There's a lot of it. It's sold out. Most of our music team. Yes. For those of you that don't know what that joke's about, that just means you 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 probably don't have a Lions jersey. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I you know I hesitate. I'm old enough to remember when they were four and zero, uh, and that that was a long time ago. Jimmy the Spider Man Allen took the. Uh, yeah, he took that. Uh, he took that song by Queen. Another, another one bites the dust. And uh, that, I don't know that they won another game for the rest of the year. Like they did, the Lions put together this video. One of the defensive backs kind of came up with this idea. About halfway through the season, my brothers and I were singing, and another one beats our butts. But they, 
because it got bad. But anyway, I'm not going to speak a curse over a lot. They do actually look good. But uh, you don't need me to tell you that. You can turn on ESPN or something for that. Anyway, uh, good morning, everyone. I, so good. Um, so good to be together in God's, in this space that God provides for us, right? And um, anyway, we, Claire mentioned already, we're kind of moving into a, we're moving into a new series on the abundant life. Um, we had a great summer, didn't we? With great togethers, and we had so many exciting things going on. We thank God for that. It was a, just a wonderful sight, uh, summer. A lot of powerful things happened, and we're looking forward to a great fall. Um, so I want to talk to you for a few minutes and lay some groundwork um, to this, um, this series, which will last for uh, some weeks coming up here. And um, it's, it's kind of, at one point we were going to call it um, uh, something about generosity, which we're going to talk a lot about generosity at times, but we kind of felt like we didn't want you to feel like we were, or any of us, to feel like we're just coming in here and just going to talk about how we're trying to get everybody to be more generous, um, although that is true. I hope we're all more generous, So I, uh, but we didn't want it to feel that way. Does that make sense? Um, <laughs> so I'd rather you get generous without feeling like you're being manipulated by anybody. I guess that's what I mean. Um, but I think when you talk about the abundant life, really what we're trying to uh, pay attention to is, first of all, living abundantly toward God. How can we live more abundantly toward God? How can we live more abundantly toward our neighbor? And just as important is how can you live more abundantly or generously toward yourself? So we want to talk about all those things because they all matter and they all work together. As, as you all know, we've said it around here often. Um, when Jesus said, you know, he kind of simplified everything when it came to the gospel and what is said throughout the scripture, and the invitation is to love God with all of our, uh, all of our mind, all of our soul, all of our strength, and all of our heart, and then love our neighbor as we love ourselves. So you've got God, uh, the invitation to love God with all that we have to love our neighbor with all that we have, but we can only love our neighbor that way if we have an understanding of how much God loves us and that there's, you can't love uh, your neighbor out of an empty well. That becomes something else. Um, it, it, at some level, is not authentic. So um, I just have a question as we start, and it's simply this. Uh, what would you like to leave if you thought, maybe you've already thought about this, but if you uh, haven't, what would you like to leave as an inheritance? Uh, from your life? What would you like to leave as an inheritance? I want you just to take a second with that question and sit with it, consider it, and if you maybe you have thought about it and maybe you've got it written down somewhere, but if you haven't thought about it or if you uh, have thought about it in the past, what would you like to leave as an inheritance? It's an important question. So Jesus says here in Luke chapter 12, um, why don't we read this? Why don't we stand and read this scripture together? Jesus had this to say when speaking to the disciples, nice and loud if we could. 
Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear, for life is more than food, and the body is more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap, and they have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than birds? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? And then Jesus said in John 10.10, we have this recorded, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come to give life and life more abundantly. Everybody say abundantly. Now, Claire, you can go ahead and sit down. Claire uh, already began to invite us to paying attention to what abundant life is. Abundant life is not trying to eliminate certain parts of our life, but it's living fully into our life and knowing that God desires to be there with us. The enemy wants to steal and rob and kill from us, but God wants us to be able to live fully. Now, in Proverbs 13, 22, the scripture says that a good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children. Why does that matter? Like, why does this whole principle of paying attention to abundance and what our life is like and leaving something for the next generation, even if you don't have biological children, it's not just about your children biologically or my children biologically or your grandchildren. Some of us don't, will never have that. That's not what the invitation is. The invitation is how do I live transgenerationally as a person? How do I leave an inheritance for the next generation and the generation after that? Uh, Dallas Willard, he, he says this, he says, the world can no longer be lift, left to mere diplomats, politicians, and business leaders. Can everybody say amen? amen? Yes. Come Lord Jesus. They have done the best they could, no doubt, but this is an age for spiritual heroes, a time for men and women to be heroic in their faith and in spiritual character and power. The greatest danger to the Christian church today is that of pitching its message too low. Now, what Willard's not saying here, uh, he wasn't saying, you know, that there aren't Christian business people, there aren't Christian politicians. He just says our reliance on those systems are not the answer to what is needed. They've done the best they could, no doubt, but this is an age for spiritual heroes um, recently, I, I was doing some writing for a, a responsibility I have, and I'm, I want to read part of what I wrote to you all because I think it sets a little bit of a backdrop uh, for what we're going to be talking about here, um, although I'm not used to reading my own like stuff, but it's, it's a little bit of a long quote. So, I've generally held a strong assumption that our resources and the handling of such is very connected to our faith. Jesus comments and the sheer number of his remarks on money have always fascinated me. Even before I came to an active and engaged faith, the longer I journey, the deeper my interest becomes. I've observed and studied this subject from many different responsibilities, roles, and vantage points. Beliefs and positions on generosity, 
greed, stewardship, psychology, compassion, empathy, poverty, wealth, percentage giving, cash flow, materialism, consumerism, arrogance, riches, family systems, conditions of one's heart, emotional driven giving, manipulation, debt, risk tolerance, love of neighbor, corruption, math, Enneagram style, work ethic, frugality, you kind of get the point, right? They all seem to partially, if not fully, be in the cauldron of our resource handling lives. At times I found that our or my focus can be inadequate at best and often biased in an unhelpful way. When Jesus said, where your treasure is, your heart will be also, it could mean a handful of different things. Certainly assuming that Jesus was talking about our money and our resources in general doesn't seem to be much of a stretch, but assuming that Jesus main, assuming that is Jesus' main reference, what might that say about my own heart condition and how challenged I am with such a clear invitation. I'm challenged by his words, and I long for more when it comes to the topics such as generosity, especially in light of the tremendous privilege I live in. Is, to whom much is given, much is desired, applicable, or am I simply putting undue weight on myself? It has certainly been said, and I believe it to be true, that money cannot solve every problem. Perhaps money-solving problems should not be our primary consideration, but what is my spiritual and heart condition? What is our spiritual and heart condition as we approach all these matters? Can I possibly open myself to another way of thinking besides the same old approaches of the world and the global church and its systems when it comes to our resources? Could it be that God might be asking me or us to consider a kingdom way, an out-of-the-box way? I am definitely curious. I was pretty young. I'm not sure how old I was when my uh, mom's father died. Um, He was career, different branches of military, um, had served in various parts of the world, He was a severe alcoholic, didn't really know him very well, my my grandfather. He was gone most of the time, and when I was around him as a little boy, um, he was usually inebriated, um, pretty rough around the edges. I would later learn that um, from some of the things my mom would tell me, I would later learn about some of the traumatic things that he suffered as a child um, and it began to give me much more texture around why he struggled so much. But anyway, one of the things that I recall as a little boy, um, my grandfather ended up dying, I want to say he was like 50 around there, uh, early 50s maybe. But um, I remember hearing uh, him say, that he would leave his family nothing. He wasn't planning on leaving my grandmother anything, and he wasn't planning on leaving his children anything. And the reality of that 
Um, and, and he, it's just, it was his unhealth, right? And ultimately he died um, in uh, the uh, VA hospital and the doctor said that he died from cancer, but we all knew, even, as, even those of us that were really little, we all knew that he died from alcoholism. He may have had cancer, but he couldn't fight anything because he drank so much. Uh, he was never unkind to me in a way, like physically or anything. There was only one time that I had an incident that really shook me up as a little guy, and it was one time my dad asked him to basically told him to leave our house because he was so drunk and my dad just said you just need to leave and it was so foreign to me for something like that to happen in our house but anyway when my grandfather said that um, when my grandfather said that he would leave nothing um, I wish that were true sometimes I wish that were true that we, we could leave nothing but it's not true about any of us. We are always leaving a legacy every time we leave the room. Every time we leave an environment. You can say you're not leaving anything, but there is this legacy we leave wherever we go and ultimately we'll pass on. So the invitation scripturally is to pay attention to what kind of legacy we leave. What kind of abundance are we leaving behind? My grandfather would leave a cycle of unhealed, traumatized, ungenerous, unbelieving self behind. It could sound like I, I'm like bitter toward my grandfather, but the truth is, is I really love my grandfather. I just didn't know him, and I know he was really broken. And I've learned a lot from my grandfather's life. I still learn things from my grandfather's life. But it's because God somehow has intervened in the story and turned what the enemy wanted to bring for my destruction and to bring hurt and pain into my life and others' lives. God has turned it around. But that's not true for all of us. That's not true for all of the people that my grandfather was close to and encountered. It's important that God is invited to intervene in these cycles that can get passed down transgenerationally. And this is the general story of humanity. This is our story. This is the story of the church. This is the story of the way we treat each other. And we watch cycles go, go on and on and on. And it's because we're not fully aware of the trail we leave wherever we go. Or we're not inviting Jesus to help us enough with that. So perhaps that's why Jesus gives us so much instruction around life stewardship. You and I are giving our life away. We're, we give our life away every day. We invest it in today and the future. And I think that that's why Jesus so predominantly pays attention to this issue of stewardship and life stewardship. I think 
It's not the only reason, but I, I, I think that the reason there's so much attention given to things like the way we approach money is because it says so much about the trail that we desire to leave and how we're leaving it. Now, a couple of definitions, uh, just so we're going to have common language uh, over the next several weeks, so um, that I, I would like to just go over a few things, okay? All right, so poverty. When we talk about poverty over the next several weeks, just think of poverty in this way, single generation wealth. In other words, um, there's a scripture that says that God gives um, bread to the eater, which is all of us, and seed to the sower. It's God's intent to give bread and seed to everybody. What, one of the reasons why, there's, there's multiple reasons why poverty is not addressed well. Um, and, and one of the reasons is because when it comes to poverty, humanity is, is fairly good at times at giving bread to the eater, but not giving seed to the sower. So if your hope never goes beyond your life, like you don't, you don't, you, you don't raise your eyes enough to realize that your life is going to go beyond yourself, you don't have a lot of motivation to sow seeds for the next generation. You're just trying to survive, right? So single generation wealth, and, and listen, we're all for uh, giving bread to the eater. That's why we do next week, we'll have a pantry because that is really critically important Did you give resources. You know, we just had Carlo and you give resources so people can just eat, right? They can survive, but there's not much thought around giving seed to those in poverty so they can break out of poverty. Because the only way that you get a harvest is if you plant some seeds. You can plant bread all day long, and all it's going to do is discourage you. So, think about this in a macro sense, the way that poverty is addressed just even... Uh, in so many ways. I mean, some, some organizations and people are just remarkable at addressing it well, but there's a lot of systems set up to keep people in single-generation wealth. Never get past that generation. Never invest in a way that they break free into transgenerational wealth. It's really discouraging. It's bondage. And it's, it's, it's not helpful. And I'll say this. Um, poverty is big business. And poverty can win and lose elections. Poverty, there's people who make a lot of money off poverty. I, I, when I was in the car with Carlo, he's told me a lot of stories, but he told me some stories about the early years of his ministry and how there were times when he would be propped up, basically. He didn't use the word propped up. That's the word I'm using. Uh, he would be in a church service somewhere, and they would put him up in front of the crowd or he and his wife in front of the crowd and have them hold the basket or whatever, and then people would give the money, and Carlo knew that he didn't get the money. Somebody got the money, but it wasn't Carlo. Poverty is big business. Don't kid yourself. It's big business, and I, I don't want you to become cynical toward, you know, but it's important. It's like, did Carlo get the money, right? 
Um, but there's because it's such big business, there are some pretty strong forces against breaking people out of single generation wealth. If you make a lot of money keeping people there, you can do things to make it look like you're helping, but not so much. Who you're really helping is yourself. So let me just give you one other definition because I'm out of time. <laughs> riches. Uh, actually, maybe two, two more definitions. I'll just be quick. So riches, just think of riches when we have this conversation over these next several weeks, that they're perishable assets. Okay? Perishable assets are riches. And that's, you know, Jesus, when Jesus says that, um, uh, you know, like you can put the stuff in your barn and, you know, you could have a bad fire tomorrow. It's perishable, right? And then wealth, wealth, unlike uh, poverty, wealth is passed on, or I'm sorry, not like, unlike riches, uh, wealth is what you are. It's not just money. Wealth moves transgenerationally. So it, it, it certainly can be partially money and certainly resources, but it's bigger than that. It's values. It's, it's your faith. It's your character. It's how kind you are to people. That's wealth. Wealth is transgenerational. Wealth is something that you impart. So when you were just thinking about what you'd like to leave as an inheritance, think of your life in terms of real wealth. Your, your, your whole person, body, soul, spirit, head, heart, and gut. Think about, think about the resources you have. Think about the, the uh, fruit of the spirit in your life. Think about how kind you are, how peaceful you are. Think about your character. Think about how important your word is. Think about how you, you, uh, your work ethic. Think about how you treat one another, even in your home. That's wealth. That, there is an impartation, and that always goes to the next generation. So that's what we're looking for. That is more who we are. Riches are what we have. Okay? This is who we are. So here, here's, here's probably a good dividing line that would help with this. Um, so in the U.S., the last stat, stat I read, it was a while back, over 60% of second-generation businesses in the United States fail, like small businesses, family businesses. Like when, you know, a mom and dad pass the business down to one of the kids, over 60%, at least that was the last stat I read, it's been a while, but over 60% of those businesses fail. The, here's the problem. You can give riches um, that you can give a business to your child, but if you've never given them the wealth of knowing how to run the business and knowing what it takes to keep the business going, know how to multiply that thing and keep it synergistically moving forward, you can give them a business that's very rich, but it is not going to make it because they haven't received the wealth that you have. So it becomes really critical that we're cognizant of passing the goodness of God that we've received onto the next generation or those people around us. Now I'll just I'll, I'll close it up with this, and then I I've, I've just got a quote uh, to to end it. But 
We'll get back at this tomorrow. Um, but always know that God pays for what God asks for uh, in your life. So uh, you may be curious, like, why do people have different amounts of money and resources and such? Um, you know, some people just have more money and resources because not, you know, maybe they got it uh, in a healthy way. Some people didn't maybe get it in a healthy way. Maybe somebody won the lotto or whatever. But um, understand that your resource pool is directly connected, in God's kingdom at least, it's directly connected into what God has invited you to do. That's why in 1 Timothy, for instance, when uh, when Paul starts to talk to people that are rich about handling their money, he doesn't condemn them being rich. He just says, you know what, your heart needs to come back into a kingdom-centered understanding. Make sure that you are kingdom-oriented. So whatever resources you've been given, it's been given based on your call or your purpose, whatever you want, whatever God created you for, all those gifts and stuff you have, so your resources that you're responsible for are the ones that God's given you direct because God pays for what he's asked you to do, essentially. Hopefully that makes some sense. I want to close with just this uh, and also encourage you guys to get this book. Um, and I'm going to close with a quote out of it, The Paradox of Generosity. This is book several years old, but it's just uh, written by um, a couple of folks out of Notre Dame, but just brilliant. This is brilliant. This is very, uh, for those of you that like, like studies and stuff, this, this book is just basically a study on American generosity and the title, The Paradox of Generosity. Basically, the, the, the summation of the book is um, this basically proves statistically after thousands of studies in people's lives that generosity somehow is really healthy for us. And those that are most generous seem to be the happiest and do the best in every area of life. Now, obviously, that's generalization. There's some really, some really generous people that aren't doing so well today, um, you know. So, but it's a, it's a great book. It's interesting, but some people might find it boring. But if nothing else, it's got some great quotes. Anyway... So let me read this quote to you as we pull this together. Both generous and ungenerous people live lives that are less than ideal. But the generous possess an insight usually missing among the less generous. They know that they already have enough. And that clinging to what they have or clamoring for more will not bring any greater happiness. So they share of their time, their money, and their care with others. They tend to see the beauty of life, the value of solidarity, and their connection to humanity. Their perspective tells them that the world, properly viewed, is a place of abundance. God is inviting us all to a place of abundance. I truly, truly believe that. So God, even today, as we kind of pull this together, I pray for all of us that you would be with us, God. Be with us during this, not just this series, but be with us during our days. I just pray that we would be aware 
of how when we walk in and out of a room, when we walk in and out of our workplace, when we walk in and out of the school that we're attending, the grocery store we go to, the gas station that we stop at, that we're leaving something and bringing something and leaving something and bringing something. God, let it be out of an abundant heart, abundantly in love with you, abundantly in love with the people that you have created and abundantly grateful and loving ourselves. Heal us. God, of any broken image we have of ourselves, we, we recognize that we fall short. We totally get that, God. We, we turn from our sin, and we know that we're loved by you deeply. And when we break relationship with you and with other people or ourselves, and it causes this separation, we know that that's not your will. We know your will, God, is that your kingdom would be coming in our life abundantly. So I pray it into and over each one of us in this room, everyone online that's watching or will watch this, and for all of our children and teachers upstairs. We speak life, health, and blessing. Let your miracles roll in, oh God, in Jesus' name.